Hey there, Melissa. Hey, Devin. What are we talking about today? Oh my. Well, I think today's topic is going to uh, start out talking about, you know, dating and relationships in this crazy modern world we live in. But uh, who knows where it's going to go from there. <laughs> well, let's start there. Um, yeah. I've been in the same relationship, married for almost nine, in for 12, so I can't speak a lot to this personally, but as far as, like, conversations with others, Mm -hmm. I will chime in where potentially necessary or give examples, but I'm going to let you take the, the lead on this bad boy. Oh, goodness. Well, so the where I think I, where I think we should begin is in today's day and age, there are so many relationships slash marriages that, you know, are coming apart at the seams. And it seems to be the real epidemic in our world, um, along with, you know, obesity and and vaping. <laughs> but like, <laughs> all of which are bad for you. But also what is bad for you on a more spiritual and emotional way is prematurely jumping into a new relationship very newly out of an an old one. And I think not just like, you know, obviously I can probably poke holes in my own life, but I think in all fairness, from what you see in the world with celebrities on social media, on television, our own friends and family, people we know through work. It really, really shocks me um, how soon people get into other committed relationships following a breakup. Mm. And they don't allow themselves any time to reflect, to heal, to work on themselves, to reestablish new rules and boundaries for their lives. Um, a lot of the times, and again, you know, this is probably good stuff for <clears throat> for conversation. Is um, and and uh, this is not a woman focused thing at all. This is a woman anthem thing because I think both genders are equally. Um, guilty of these situations so you know for instance uh, let's say a husband and wife break up they have a couple kids and within a few weeks one or the other or both they're not even out of the house yet they're still cohabitating they have not maybe sought legal advice they they certainly have not dealt with anything to do with division of assets custodial arrangements of the children um they haven't done any of the steps and stages and they are already looking to date okay i have a question real quick that's already coming up go is this because do you think do you believe it's because of things like just easy access to these again this was before my time <laughs> I was already apps, yeah dating say. apps and just like this plethora of I have all of these options at my fingertips mm-hmm. 
Um, is that, does that ring true, do you believe? Or is that me just being like, you just don't know anything? No, I think you're definitely onto something there. Um, especially in a, I think especially when a marriage, um, when one or both parties in said marriage have not been actively working on the marriage. So, like, they're already, like, a year removed. Yeah, they're already... Before all hell broke loose. Correct. They're already one foot out the door, and they're just dragging their butt like a dog on the carpet, and they haven't actually, you know, been proactive in ending the marriage, getting on with the stuff. So... And to be clear, you don't have to be married. Like, this is... No, no. I've seen both sides of this, I think. Correct. And I I will probably refer to it as a marriage, even though it could be just a domestic partnership or, um, and this goes not just for, you know, yeah, this, this just goes across the spectrum. Like this is any partnership where you have a committed relationship, where you've been together for a period of time, where there's maybe a home involved, finances involved, children involved, assets involved, things involved. And now you're coming to the end of all that and you have you 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 have decided to separate from each other. So that's kind of the terms, right? Um I definitely think yes, Melissa, you're on the right track. I think that the ever present um amount of dating app resources that are out there in the world right now not only, I think, have they been found to be a contributing factor to um, cheating, but I think they also are a, a big contributing factor to this um, premature dating, mm. post-relationship. Especially if there has been, you know, several needs not being met in the marriage prior to split. So, for instance, if one partner's emotional needs are just not being met and they've been, you know very unhappy because of that naturally if you're getting attention Mm. from 10 or 12 people in an online capacity well that fills a void and feeds a need so it's very tempting to want to go onto these apps and talk to these people be it male or female it's very 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 tempting because you know if you're if your biggest beef with your partner was you didn't make time for me I always got put last you were always busy with x y and z and I felt like you just didn't appreciate me and you know maybe maybe you addressed that in the marriage maybe you didn't if you didn't that's on you if your relationship falls apart because you didn't address your needs or your lack of getting the needs you have met with your partner and you just let the relationship fall apart with ever going forward with trying to resolve that problem, that's 100% on you. However, if then you jump out of that relationship and six days later you're on, you know, a dating app and there's 50 guys sending you DMs, well, that's pretty like, ooh, look at me. Look at how many... (laughs) Look at, like you said, look at how many options I have. Mm. These people want to give me attention. These people want to spend time with me. I'm lovable after all. Because I think what happens when a marriage is on the rocks or a partnership's on the rocks is you immediately, of course, you blame the other person 
whether you have fault in it or not, you it's very, very easy to pull, point fingers and blame the other person. Um, if you've done everything you can do to address the problems in the marriage, and I truly mean both of you actively working on solving yeah. those problems, and one or both parties is just not, you know, not doing it, not following through, not changing their ways, not changing their behaviors. I know. Yeah, like both people need to be actively wanting yes. things to be different and better. If not, you're kind of like beating a dead horse, which is kind of awful. But sorry to PETA for very that reference. True. <laughs> but it's true, right? Like hundred percent true. Yeah. No, it's completely true. Um, both parties have to be willing to make some compromises. They both have to be willing to admit fault where fault is, is has occurred. To forgive the other person and to allow for healing to come into the relationship by both people acting in a way that manifests goodness. And if one or both parties is unwilling, then, you know, we're calling it quits, right? Yeah. And this is all cute, but I think it also, uh, this may be totally sideways, but I think part of it too is like we're in such a throwaway society Mm. that like, you know, grandpa, grandma and grandpa, like, 80 years ago, mm-hmm. if things were tough, they weren't so quick to just be like, fuck off, we're getting a divorce, like, yep, I'm out, you, you move out, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like, no, they figured their shit out. They doubled down and were like, you know, for better, for worse, yada, yada, yada. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, all rainbows and unicorns. Of course not. But it wasn't just, I find the, like just move out or I'm leaving or we're getting a divorce is so easily said mm-hmm. that it's like, hold, hold on. Like, did you, did you take vows? Did you actually, did you mean them? Listen to what they said or like, is this really what you wanted? Or like, why did you get married? Like, and that's just like, yep. Well, it's just a, I don't know if it's a reality TV thing or if it's all of these things, but like literally in the last, I would say probably 15 years, especially it is so mm-hmm. quick to just, oh, and this is what makes me think of that's why with the options of just being like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'll, I'll meet somebody different or the grass is greener or whatever. And it's of like, well, you're just getting into somebody else's problem. <laughs> Anyway. No, no, and I, I think a lot of what you said is very is very correct. Like, <clears throat> um, it seems, I think, unless you've been through it, and I have my hand in the air because I have been, um, if you have not been through it, count yourself blessed. If you've been through it, <clears throat> as in the divorce, the separation stuff, the splitting up the kids, the doing all the stuff that, you know, is heartbreaking at times, frustrating at times, you know, soul searching. Um, if you haven't been through it, <clears throat> it seems really easy to just pack your stuff, jump in the car and go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it looks easy and I think you you made a very good point social media tv movies all these things make it look easy mm-hmm. um those who have been through family court divorce and all that stuff uh we can all attest it is 
far from easy. It is not simple. It is incredibly complicated. It is incredibly painful. And from what I've heard also, it's like this lengthy, you don't just leave. It's like a year, two year process of... I know someone who is in year eight. Year eight of um, now it's it's go back around the sun again because uh, one party is unhappy with something. So they are now rehashing the troubles that came out in the marriage and in the divorce. Now keep them. These people are divorced. That. The couple, the couple I'm referring to, they are divorced. Everything is done, signed, sealed, delivered, has been for many years. Uh, custodial arrangements made, separation of assets done. In fact, the one partner is remarried. Correct. Oh. Yes. And yet, eight years later, that married partner is rehashing issues from a marriage that ended eight years ago. Okay. So, because I don't understand any of this, mm-hmm. is this a, only because I just recently have heard a ton about lawyers and what they cost and all of oh. this. So I'm wondering, if we're talking eight years, mm-hmm. are so, we talking about somebody that's, just doing like is this government funding does this person Mm -hmm. potentially have money or talk me through this because i don't understand like is it just i have tons of money and i'll pay a lawyer and i'll shut you up and i'll do what i want or is this i'm dragging my ass and it's government funded and it's yep i'll I'll give you yeah please sure so in this particular situation um one party so there was an agreement made in court between the two, the husband and the wife, and the agreement, um, the agreement was dependent on if party A does X Y Z, then party B will do X Y Z. So that was signed, sealed, and delivered many years ago. Then party A decided not to comply with that order. So therefore, party B legally did not have to comply with their end of the deal because it was a if they do this then i will do that judge signed and everything so then when the first party didn't do what they were supposed to do legally the other party didn't do what they were supposed to do legally now they're at a stalemate so now party a got upset that party b was not doing what they quote legally were supposed to do even though it was a you do this first, then this follows. So then now back to court we go. So after all this stuff, and no, it is not government funded. So party A has enough money to pay for a lawyer of their own means. Party B has already paid for a lawyer twice because this is the third time through court. So now party B is financially not as solid as A Mm -hmm. and therefore is now kind of in a financial situation where it's like, can I pay my bills if I hire another lawyer? Because as we all know, lawyers are not cheap. They range from, I think, 350 an hour up to 500, thousands an hour if well, you go with probably. some crazy lawyer. 
Um, but yeah, like the going rate is, let's say, four 400 an hour. And let's not, only because I know about this recently, mm-hmm. there is a $5,000 retainer. Usually a minimum $5,000 retainer. Yeah, so any email, any phone call, anything like that. Gobble, gobble, eats gobble. into that. And mm-hmm. then it's, oh, here's your invoice. You have to top up. Yes. Dude, that blew my mind. Yes, ma'am. So let me tell you how this retainer works sometimes, too. So in a case where a lawyer charges like, let's say a a divorce lawyer charges um, a $5,000 retainer, what can happen, and I know this to be true based on life experience, what can happen is the party who has the most affluence in the relationship will bury the party with the smaller affluence they will bury their lawyer in paperwork, which immediately eats up that $5,000 retainer. With It can be gone within days. Days. Yeah. So and as an idiot, what do you do if you have no money? Well, I'm so good. Again, I've never been yeah. through it. I don't know anything about it. So I have all so the questions. In Canada, in, in Ontario, you have options. So you are able to represent yourself in court. So in okay. my case, in um, both of my cases, I, um, I the first my so I've been divorced twice for the viewers out there. <laughs> first time, uh, husband and I agreed on terms of separation, and I hired a lawyer to put it in, put our separation agreement that we had drawn up together into like legal legal talk and have it notarized so that cost me i think it was twelve hundred dollars that's because we agreed there was no arguing there was no back and forthing there was none of none of the stuff that causes grief and problems and eats up all your retainer money or your hourly money Mm -hmm. so in our case it was very cut and dry clean and simple twelve hundred dollars ready to go um so that gave us a legal separation agreement. So a legal separation agreement is completely different from a divorce. Okay. For those that may not know. So a legal separation agreement has three basic components to it. There is a separation of assets, which sometimes includes equalization, which would mean if one party earns significantly more or contributes significantly more um, to the household income, um, separation of assets is like what debt's yours, what debt's mine, what debt's joint, what investments are mine, what are yours, what is joint, property evaluations, uh, payroll, you have to submit pay statements, all that stuff. Anything to do with finances. All that gets figured out between the lawyers of who has what. Then, then uh, if there's children involved in the relationship, then um, a monetary amount will be discussed between parties as to if one parent owes the other parent um, support for the children and or spousal support because uh, both are on the table at that point. And then... What is that, by the way? Spousal support. So that would be where um, if there was a a big discrepancy in um, 
in family income. So if you make, let's say the the wife makes $45,000 a year at her job and the husband makes $95,000 a year at his job, they kind of equalize things out and they base it on how many years you were married um, and a number of other factors. It's all a mathematical equation, basically. It's clickety-clickety-bippity-bop into the computer and just generates, basically, a figure. So spousal support would be paid out to, um, say, a, a, a wife. In this case, we'll use a wife. To paid out to a wife if, the let's say, they were married for 20 years and they had three children together, she's been primarily the stay-at-home parent, maybe worked a part-time job or took a, a lesser paying job so she could accommodate the household responsibilities of the house and the children. And the husband, let's say he's a corporate guy and he's got a corporate type job and he's at the office eight, nine hours a day and he makes $100,000 a year. So there would be a, a component that the husband would potentially have to pay the wife for spousal support to allow her to, and this is where the wording gets a bit gitchy, but like basically to allow her to maintain a similar lifestyle to what they've become, what they were accustomed to. Yeah, it's really messed up in some cases. It, this in is the kids States, only? This is kids only? No, that's spousal support. That's not child support. No, sorry, but would the, they would have to have kids. No. No, no kids involved in that one. That's a pure husband-wife calculation. So then, on top of all that, there's then a mathematical equation. There's a table, actually, which for child really needs to be revised. But there is a table for child support. And it is as simple as the old school graph paper when you were in like grade seven and had to draw graphs. <laughs> it is like axis A, or if you want to use XY. So axis Y is number of children x and axis x is uh, income of parent <laughs> so if let's say in this case the father makes the hundred thousand a year and they have three children together you basically just go across to hundred thousand a year you go up to how many children and you meet at the point and it tells you how much would be owed it's kind of that dumb Okay, this is not appropriate, but there is a song, a country song, and it's called Cheaper to Keeper. And yes! I actually understand this. This is, mm-hmm. but you're, okay, I'm going to go back to this for a second. Can I just say I am not a lawyer or a legal advisor in any way, shape, or form. This is purely off personal experience that we're chatting about this stuff today. Okay. Yeah, this is not legal advice. No, and obviously there's going to be things that I may say incorrectly that in a court of law might be considered incorrect or someone who has legal training or whatever may be like, oh, that's not right. It is possible that it isn't right. I'm talking about what happened in my life or in the life of somebody else close to me whom I have direct knowledge of. So let's just put that out there. Love that. Yeah. And me over here being like, ah, I don't know anything. Um <laughs> Uh, this spousal so you're telling me somebody gets a divorce they have no kids they mm-hmm. have nothing mm-hmm. one spouse that makes more money has to pay the other yes it is there is a potential because it's, oh, it's not, not 100%. always it's it's never a hundred percent it's something that that uh, basically 
you know, like, okay, can I use you for an example? Please. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to use um, Melissa and her husband, Matt, because we've already met Matt on another podcast. So um, Melissa and her husband, Matt, are married They're for what? Nine years, nine years, married, 12 years together, have no children. Um, if you and Matt were to divorce, you would go to your lawyer and say, we've been married for 12 years. Matt was the, let's call him the principal breadwinner of the home, making X number of dollars per year. You would have to have a copy of his last three years of tax returns with his T4s and all of his income statements, including his union fees and everything else. You would also provide your mortgage or rent payments, the expenses on your home, any debt accrued accrued between the two of you. You would have to walk in there with stacks of paperwork and you're going to give that to your lawyer and say, here is all of my financials. Here is Matt's. Here is mine. Here's our household picture. This is what it looks like. And because I am a self-employed business owner and I I make, I'm just going to use round numbers. I make $50,000 a year. Matt makes $125,000 a year. I want equalization and I would like to apply for spousal support. And the lawyer goes clickety, 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 puts all your financials into the computer this is how much Matt makes. This is how much Melissa makes. This is, this is, I have facts because you have his records, right? You have his tax statements from the last three years. You have all of your bills. You have all of your debt. You have all of your stuff. And the lawyer will come up with an amount. And that amount will be what you will then apply to the court to award you as spells of support. So let's say it's like $500 a month. I know women that were, have been receiving upwards of five to 10,000 a month in spousal support, by the way. First of all, no one's getting a divorce around here in this household. <laughs> Second of all, that's fucking crazy to me. Yes, ma'am. I thought it was just like, if it's like, you're a cutesy little stay-at-home mom, which I have full respect for and mm-hmm. think it is actually more than a full-time job. It's actually mm-hmm. two full-time jobs because mm-hmm. I do all this household shit. And then, you know, work, my business, and all the other things. But yeah, so mm-hmm. QT is full respect. Stay-at-home moms have an enormous pressure and huge responsibility in yes. a job. But yes, I I just assumed it would have to be like you you work less because you are raising kids. Okay. Nope. So let's move on. That's crazy. Yep. Um, so there's that. And then... <laughs> After you have submitted all of your tax records, all of your financial household statements, all of your income, all of your debts, all of your things, then, like I said, if there is children of the marriage, children as a product of the marriage or as defined by law to be, so here's where it gets dicey. If, let's say it's a step-parent role. So let's say, okay, I have two kids. I have two kids. And let's say I get remarried, okay? If I am with that husband for a substantial amount of time, let's say we, you know, we are married from the age of, let's say we got married when my kids were 10 and I'm with him for 20 years and then the marriage falls apart, we divorce. Well, from the age of 10 until the the children left home to go to college, he was a custodial parent Mm -hmm. in their life. I would have to provide evidence of that, first of all. So I would have to provide my lawyer evidence that my husband, their step-parent, was, in fact, an active custodial-type parent. You're not going to tell me they have to pay. Yes. 
you can apply for them to pay. Yes. So if you have stepchildren that are not even your biologicals, you can be legally responsible to pay child support for those children in case of divorce. Yes. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let let's loop back here. Yeah. So, so, like I'm saying, this process is not easy, nor simple, nor cheap, nor cut and dry. Okay. It's two things. Two things. We're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna loop back here. Okay. So one. Why? Whoa, okay. These these people, and and I'm speaking because I've heard directly this. So they're in the exact same home still. Yes. They're split technically, but living in the same house still because, yes, rent's expensive and mm-hmm. who's getting the house and whatever. Separation of assets hasn't happened yet. Yes. Thank you. I'm not all fancy. <laughs> but, okay, now, w- other than the attention, it, are we thinking, like, I'm... So from this specific example that I know... Um, this particular person had dated three or four people. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm assuming just I'm I'm free. I'm doing what yep. I want now. Yada yada yada. Yep. Within six months of separation, but they're still cohabitating. No, no, I would say probably three or four months after like getting their own place, like uh, Mm -hmm. selling the house, moving, still no separation agreement, still waiting on house money, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but is moved in with a new girlfriend. Ooh. And she's got kids. He's got kids. So he not only had kids with a previous relationship, mm-hmm. he had a kid with the current n- current spouse. And now that's splitting. But now we're in a Brady Bunch situation. So as soon as you've said, oh, the step-parent situation. What if, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't know this person from a hole in the wall, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. But um, so you're telling me if that now they're living together mm-hmm. after a year it's considered common law technically say yes. it's five years from now and then all hell breaks loose yep he, pay for my kids pay for this blah blah oh yeah my God. so if that le- so in this case the, there's lots to unpack there but of course so let's say in this whoa. case the the mom so the mom of the two children whom he's dating so they don't have any kids in common but they're her children if he moves in with her and her two children and five and specifically if the children are young, when the children are young, it creates a little more um, validity, I believe. Because well, you're more in a parenting law, role, right? Correct. Versus if your kids are in their late teens or early 20s and they're only home sometimes. Um, but it would also factor in in that case if say mom and the new husband or mom and the new partner, domestic partner, um, were paying for the children to go to school. Because then there is a financial dependency on that stepfather and therefore the mom in divorce court, family court, the mom could then have a case that her children are financially dependent upon their step-parent, their stepfather in that case, and 
if proven, the judge can award that that money be continued to pay for those children. It's all in... It, it's crazy. And again, this is why... So back to the topic of our show is jumping from relationship to relationship prematurely before you have all your details ironed out. Yeah, because not only is it like... It is so important oh, God. To, this, to this world, to the climate, to our children, to our own selves. It is so, so important to have your relationships settled, especially if there's children involved before you entertain the idea of getting into another committed relationship. I can understand the wanting to date. I get that. Especially if you've been coming out of a marriage where your needs are not met. I completely understand that. Whatever those needs may be. Right. I completely understand the need for affection, for, um, for you know, to have a companionship, to have somebody to go out and have fun with, to have somebody to go to a movie with, to go to dinner with. You know, I understand that. However, what I see happening in today's day and age is what more you suggested. It's parents split and one or both parents is immediately, and I use the term immediately, within the first year, let's say. Yes. Within the first year of separation already in a committed relationship with a new partner in a new home either you know moved into their house or renting a house together or whatever the situation and their previous partner the parent the other parent whatever their stuff is still not settled and it just creates such havoc in all relationships involved so it creates havoc with the initial two parents. It creates havoc with their new partners. It creates havoc with all of the grandparents, all of the associations. It creates havoc for the children. And again, if you choose, everyone can choose to do whatever the heck they want. I'm not telling people what to do, but it's take a step and just pause. Can you still date this person and have fun with that person and meet a new a new girlfriend boyfriend and like go out on dates and have the fun and go for dinner and do the stuff of course should you become tied to that person financially or get involved with their children their families move in together before your previous relationship is settled and sealed no my advice is don't Purely my advice. Two things. Yeah, two things. One, do we think this is like a financial dependency thing or like it's, I mean, to be like nowadays, like Mm -hmm. rent is crazy. Like if you're telling me somebody is got two kids, now you've the, now they're Mm -hmm. moving in with someone that's got another two kids of their Mm -hmm. own. Bills are crazy. Mm -hmm. Kids have cell phones now. (laughs) Like, all these things we just did not have growing up. mm -hmm. But, like, financially, I get it. It's it's expensive on your own. Like, doing the math, you're probably a good, like, three, four thousand dollars a month. 
yeah. depending on what your financial situation looks like. So yeah, that's expensive. Mm-hmm. Do we think that's potentially part of why you're not you, but why why people why so many people actually are so quick to be doing this, or is it just like a rebound impulse thing? Yeah, like I'm again, I'm speculating. I'm just so curious. And it I'm, could it potentially it has it has the option to be a bit of both. I you're right. If if my monthly expenses as a single person are four grand a month between my mortgage, my insurances, my car, my my bills, my stuff. If I'm spending four thousand a month, and then I have to pay child support on top of that, because child support starts as of the date of separation, mm. or it should. And this is where all the all the problems start. They're like, hey, you forgot to think this through. Oh my gosh. Yes, the hey, you forgot to think this through kicks in. <laughs> so <clears throat> when two parents separate, um, let's say they actually don't procrastinate, okay? Let's say that within the first 30 days of separation, one or both parties has already retained a lawyer and has already started the process because in my mind, that is the responsible thing to do. Um, It doesn't always happen and there's tons of reasons why, but the responsible thing to do if you are done with the marriage and the relationship, get the ball rolling. Start the process because there are so many steps and stages that really truly rely on you getting that initial step going. That if you procrastinate, let's say even one year, now you are calculating back child support, back section seven. Oh, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Section seven expenses in family court are, um, Sports, medical. Oh, like babysitters. Babysitters, camp. All the like normal costs of raising children. So, you know, if one parent, say, has medical benefits as part of their employment package, then Section 7 expenses would fall to that parent sometimes. Um, there's also provisions in separation and custodial arrangements that let's say both parents have medical benefits as part of their employment package. The parent, how do they have it? The parent that has the birthday first in the year applies first first, and then any remaining amount or deduct like after deductible, any remaining amount then gets bumped to the second parent. That's funny. I just heard about that, which I thought was nuts. But mm-hmm. yeah, their their kid had a dentist appointment and it was like, oh, it went through your insurance first. And yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Why so, are you even communicating about that? But okay. Yeah, so that's section seven expenses. So um, it usually falls to one or both parents. And like, so for instance, um, a couple of people that I know... Um, if they have children in sports, let's say, then what what will happen is, let's say, uh, their son is in 
hockey and their daughters in dance, then parents can agree that one parent will cover all hockey expenses and the other parent will cover all dance expenses. And if the children stop those sports, then the parents will come back to the table and they will renegotiate Section 7 and redo those things. In some circumstances, all Section 7s are to be split 50-50. In some circumstances, oh. they are a percentage split based on income. Okay, that's, yeah, that's the situation I heard so about. So if dad makes 100000 mom makes fifty. Dad pays... It's like 60-40 or something. Yes, so dad would pay a 60-40 or a 70-30 split with mom. And that's how all expenses to do with the children in Section 7 are calculated. Um, but again, these are things between the lawyers that you're paying $400 an hour for. If both parties cannot agree. If both parties can agree on stuff, your lawyer's bills are cheap. Like, you could keep it to the under $5,000 if parents just did a little bit more agreeing and a little less arguing. But that doesn't happen all the time. I feel like if... Here's the thing. That, some again, lawyers provoke the arguments because they want more money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that... Yeah. My second divorce, the lawyers were provoking argument. <laughs> well, one lawyer was provoking argument to, um, to extend the process it's disgusting but again like that's corruption greed mm -hmm. starts yeah government level and works its way down but exactly. that's again story for another day but then none of that actually surprises me at all that right. seems mm -hmm. to be pretty common yeah. everywhere which is disgusting but yeah. like no i get that um so if you jump into a new relationship yes it is going to be cheaper maybe in the short term because let's say you know, let's say you have, or whatever, I have meet a new man, okay? And I'm spending, let's say, $4,000 a month on my daily living expenses for me and my two children. And I don't receive child support from my children's dad, so, um, which is, which was an agreement we had. That's not because he's a deadbeat, it's because we agreed that there was no child support to be paid. Let's just get that clear. It's not that he's supposed to pay and doesn't, is what I mean. Um, there, that was a sign off on, on our divorce. So, um, so let's say my expenses are 4,000 a month. I meet a man and let's say his expenses are also 4,000 a month. Plus he has 50% of section seven plus he has child support payments. So his expenses are like upwards of $6,000 a month. Let's just throw a number, like a round number. So between the two of us, we are spending $10,000 a month in general living expenses. So you amalgamate the two and let's say he sells his place or he gives up his apartment or he does whatever. He moves in with me. He then we agree between the two of us that I will continue to pay ABC bill and he will contribute X number of dollars a month towards whatever. the household expenses. He's now saving, so now let's say each of us is now spending $3,000 a month. So our bills now went from 10 to six. Ta-da, divorce math. So yes, I think, to answer your question, yes, I think the cost of living um, is a contributing factor to why so many new couples are choosing to live together 
versus date and live separately because both of them are paying incredibly high amounts of money just to get by in today's day and age. It still does not take away the point of get your business settled with your first relationship before you cohab and jump into another person's life full time. Because it gets incredibly messy. I feel like it's not even like, again, I I have no idea. It's not me. Sorry, I have no idea. But I'm trying to understand the like who, who, even the person getting into the relationship, like, are, are, is everyone being honest? Like, does, does this other human that you're getting into the relationship with actually fully understand what they're getting involved with? Ooh, um, that's what point. about the kids of just like, to me, again, I, I, I don't have kids, A, but B, my parents split. I was long gone. Right. Right. They were married for 25 years. They split. That was that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't home. I was barely involved. Right. Like, I'm right. Same so, in my experience, too. My kid, my parents were married 25 years and split when I was 23. I'd already been out of the house three years. Yeah. So it was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm I'm over here living my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, that's a topic for, the, for another day. But to me is if... If I had been 10 and my siblings, again, my brother's four years younger and my sister's seven years younger, um, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, parents split and then, you know, new guy shows up and yada yada or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, and again, situational, whatever, but like, mm-hmm. isn't that kind of weird? I think for the children, it's pretty weird. Yep. I think um, we would have to ask kids that are have been in those shoes, right? I think it can be very disruptive mm-hmm. for the children. But I'm assuming, I guess is where I'm going with this, is we're not taking any kind of any of that into account necessarily. I think it's some... a bit kind of a selfish thing is how it's coming across is where I was going with that. Yeah. And I think in some cases it is very much parent centered and not child centered. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, um, I think some parents that I know that have in my mind got into domestic partnerships prematurely out of another relationship. Um, I think that they, they, in my eyes and with my experience, I see it as kind of one of two things or a little bit of both. They want to prove to the world that they are worthy of a, a relationship and that it that they are lovable and that they are a good person and look look at me, I have a new person. So therefore I can't be all bad. Mm. So it's kind of their statement to the world. It's their statement to the world that um, the breakup of my previous relationship clearly wasn't all my fault because here I am with this great new partner. And look at us. Look at us. Look at how cute we are. Look at how happy we are. Look at, look at him with my children and look at us playing happy family. So I think some of it is to show off to the world that uh, that 
just because that marriage failed or that relationship failed doesn't mean that I'm going to fail at every relationship because it can't be all about me. Is this the world or is this the ex-partner or... Well, let's call it their world. Got it. Let's call it their world. So their world sees the happy new guy in with the family and the kids and they see they see this pretty picture and they see the trips and they see the fun. And what we're putting on social media. I see. What we're throwing out there. And I think a lot of it is for um, the emotional benefit of the mom, potentially, in some cases, or the dad, depending on whoever the affected party is, right? Right. So it's, it's, it's to their benefit, they think, to portray themselves out there as, look at me, I have this great new partner, we have this great life he's involved or he or she is involved with my children and everyone's happy and look at what we're doing and look at how great we are. And this can't possibly have been all my fault because I have this new great person. So I think some of it is for egocentric reasons and to project to the world that look at me go yay me. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that's a factor. Uh, and I think the financial thing that you brought up is a factor too. Like, you know, living alone is expensive and living alone with high bills, paying a lawyer, paying child support and all the things is also very expensive. So it's very enticing to want to cohab with your new girlfriend or new boyfriend to lower those monthly expenses. And then I think some of it is purely just like, I don't want to be alone. Yeah. I've been with a partner for so many years. I've always had that person. I've always had someone there. I've always had a body in the bed beside me, someone across the table at breakfast. Whether it was good, bad, or otherwise, there's always been that person. And I think a lot of us struggle being alone. And I know my struggles with being alone, going back to my early, like my first divorce, which was with my children's dad, my struggles with being alone back then um, was um, I got very anxious because I had to relearn mm. how to be an adult alone because he and I started dating when in high school. And so I, we grew up together. We were, I was never alone. I moved out of my mom and dad's house Him and I bought a place and I was never alone. He was always there, good, bad, or otherwise. And like 15 years later, you're an entirely different human and and being like, now what? Exactly. So, and then we had children and then like, you know what I mean? So then once you have children, you're really never alone. And can't relate. (laughs) I have dogs. I'm never alone. I have dogs and children, so I'm truly never alone. But anyway... Learning to be alone with your own thoughts, your emotions, by yourself, learning what I like, what I don't like again. Do I, like, I used to like to do this. Do I still like to do that? That was 15 years ago. Am I still interested in that? So it's like finding yourself again. And that's hard for people in general, I think. So it's like a distraction kind of. It's like a... Yes. Mm, Okay. And I think the online dating world really is a distraction for many people. Because it's that dopamine hit constantly. It's like, oh, I matched with someone. I got a match. I got a hit. I got a this. I got a like. I got a comment. I got a message. I got a this. I got a that. I got a this. I got a that. 
it's that constant dopamine, 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 which makes you feel great. And you're like, look at me go. I've been single for three weeks and I've already got five dates on the table. Like that is very enticing when you are... That gives me so much anxiety. Oh my God. When you're no coming way. out of a long-term relationship where, you know, no relationship ends happy. So like you've been <laughs> unhappy for a period of time and then the marriage is over and then wham, now all of a sudden you're left on your own. You have to learn to be by yourself again. Now you have the also add in there is now you're sharing your children with someone who you haven't been overly happy with for the last little bit. You now have to pass those kids off to them and they're maybe not in, you know, the best space or <clears throat> that person is maybe moved home with their parents for the time being to reestablish themselves and get things sorted. So now you're sending your kids there. They're not at home with you. They're not in a place they're familiar with. They're not in their own bed at night. They're somewhere else. That's very anxiety creating. At least it was for me. Like that first six months of separation when I had to, when my kids were going to their father's house and I wasn't around and I wasn't, available to like I couldn't just peek through the blinds and be like are they sleeping are they okay did they brush their teeth are their pajamas on is everybody all right um did they eat you know like all the things that I did for them and with them that their dad didn't do with Mm. and for them he now had to do and I wasn't able to and that gave me intense anxiety So I think that just having that person, like having a person fill that role in your life. It's a distraction. It's a distraction and it allows the, maybe the anxiety to be a little less. It allows you to maybe keep a bit of sanity in your life when you're in a really insane mode. And, um, and I think that's definitely a contributing factor to why people jump in too quick. All those things. And now, mind you, I did not. So I was, <clears throat> I was separated, legally separated, like with paperwork and the whole nine yards for like 18 months mm. before I started dating somebody who I ended up marrying that somebody, by the way. But uh, yeah, so I think, and like I was on my own and I was doing it myself and the kids and I were doing our thing and I was relearning how to be alone and by myself. And did I go on dates with people? Yes, I went on dates, but there was like no constant man in the house or in, no one even met my children until I decided that I was going to be serious with that person. And then he was involved in our life. But I just, I caution anyone who's listening, like, I just caution you. If you are, if you are in the early stages of divorce and separation, just be very cautious. Um, allowing another partner to come in full time to your life and especially your home, particularly if you have children or if they have children, because the dynamic that you're creating can end up incredibly difficult 
um, down the road because there's so many, especially when there's undone factors, there's just so many things that you don't even know what's coming yet. And no matter how much advice you get from friends or family or the lawyer or for whoever, your counselor, whoever you're talking to, unless they have gone through the trenches and they have done it the way you're doing it, and they are experiencing what you're experiencing, which is impossible. They, they can't, they can give you advice, but they can't give you maybe what the best advice for you is. And you may be missing all kinds of red flags and just because of the circumstance and situation that you're in. <sighs> Seek counseling. Oh my Gosh. I highly recommend counseling when you're going through separation and divorce. Yeah. Highly recommend it. And not just counseling from any old any old buddy. Like, find the right counselor. The right counselor is a make or breaker. But don't ignore the flags, guys. That's the big one. And that goes across the board. But when you're newly separated, I know it's very overwhelming. It's very stressful. It can be incredibly exhilarating, too, if you're coming out of, like, something that has been deteriorating for a long time and now all of a sudden it's over and you're feeling that sense of like newness and fresh and like wow like here I am and look at me now I'm all for feeling good about yourself and don't get me wrong I think you should get yourself out there meet new people try new things join new clubs join new groups join new stuff get out there with your kids create a new path for yourself have fun but please don't ignore the red flags. Seek professional help by way of legal help, professional counseling. Take care of yourself. Take care of your kids. Take care of your life. Take care of your stuff. Tie up your loose ends before you give yourself over to another person. That's my advice. I love it. On that note, we're going to end it here. We're going to wrap. I'm sure this stuff's going to come up again, but I love that. I I feel like I learned a lot, actually. Um, whoa. Listener number one, Melissa. <laughs> Wild. No, I'm. some of this stuff just shocks me to my core. I, wow. Anyway, until next time, guys. Thank you. You bet. Toodaloo, y'all.